All right, good morning, everyone. Hi. So great to be with you. I don't know how you felt when so many hands went up with the 25 years and up or whatever it was. Yeah. I, I didn't feel very good about talking to everybody today. <laughs> yeah, you guys should be <laughs> talking to us. <laughs> Some serious experience in the room today. Yeah. Um, it's a blessing to be able to share with you and to be with you today and to talk about uh, marriage, relationships, our lives together. Now, I was thinking when Riley and Chesley were sharing, Riley was actually at our coffee table, our, our, kitchen, um, dine, our kitchen table about eight years ago, seven years ago, I think it was, when I told him, I said, he was thinking about this girl, Chesley, who lived on the other side of the United States. And I said, your first move is to Facebook friend her. And uh, he did it, and the rest is history. So I feel like I have a little bit to do with this great marriage over there. Christina and I are going to be celebrating our 20th uh, anniversary this coming uh, January. So the pressure's on me. i got to plan something so you can be praying for me about that. And uh, we're happily married, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and what I wanted to ask you first, Uh-oh. sweetheart, yeah. is, um, you know, last Sunday I taught First Peter 3, 1 through 6. Right. About wives <laughs> submitting to their husbands. And I'm just curious if you agreed with that Bible study. <laughs> Every word. Every word. <laughs> She's a great submitter. Wow. I'll tell you that. Uh, actually, uh, what we want to talk about today, you know, Riley said it, you know, our subject that we were um, assigned is a vision for marriage. And what I'm going to do today is just share for a few minutes, just a brief mini teaching about uh, developing a vision for marriage. And one particular verse that we think uh, sort of establishes a vision for marriage from scripture And then what we want to talk about are six different pillars that we have derived in our marriage from that vision. Uh, And just try to talk to you about how this fleshes out, at least just in our lives, so that you can pray about it for your life uh, and marriage. Uh, But I love this idea of having a vision for marriage. A few years ago as a church uh, in our midweek gathering, I taught through the book of Song of Solomon and Uh, It's a very romantic book, a very intimate book. It deals with relationships and marriage, aging marriages, the long arc of a marital life uh, together. And for that study, verse by verse, through Song of Solomon, I entitled the series, What Could Be? Because I wanted us as a group to have a vision for what God could do in our lives and to look to the word to get that vision. And so it's beautiful to talk about the potential of having a vision uh, for marriage. And I'm sure that in a room like this, with all these different marriages that are represented, uh, some of you are in need today of a renewed vision for marriage. Perhaps you had one at one point. Maybe it was a good vision. Maybe it was less than biblical. But you had a vision. But over time, perhaps that vision has atrophied. Uh, You've grown discouraged, and so you need a renewed vision. Uh, Some of you might have an incorrect vision of marriage. That's not any statement about you. It's just who we are as human beings. We're broken humans. We live in a fallen and corrupt world. And so it's very possible that we could get the wrong idea about marriage 
within our minds and that we could have a vision for it that really has nothing to do with God's word. And as believers, that's not who we want to be. We want to have a biblical vision for marriage. And some of you just need your vision for marriage to be adjusted. You know, it's generally on the right track. Your vision is correct. You're seeing things in a biblical way. Uh, But you just need, you know, some adjusting, some tweaking. You know, the title of the conference is Keeping Our Marriage Strong. When I saw that title, I thought there's quite a bit of assumption uh, going on there. What if a marriage is not strong in the first place? Are those marriages allowed to come? And absolutely. Uh, But for some of you, your marriage is generally strong, but you just need a, a little bit of tweaking, some adjusting of your vision. So the main question that we should ask is what is the biblical vision for marriage? Not what is Nate and Christina's vision for marriage, not what is our vision for marriage, but what is the biblical vision uh, for marriage? It's not enough to want to have a vision for marriage. Everybody has a vision for marriage. But what we want is a biblical, scripturally sanctioned, God-ordained, spirit-breathed, divinely inspired vision for marriage. That's what we want. It's easy to get married, but it takes a little bit of work to have that kind of vision for marriage. And the reason for this, of course, is that we want marriages that not only last and stand the test of time. I know people who have been married 50 years, and they're very unhappy, and they don't. it's not a marriage that glorifies God. Uh, what we want is a marriage that thrives Well, it lasts and endures for years. Jesus said that if we build our house upon his sayings, upon his word, it's like building our house upon a rock that when the storms of life come, it stands. And that if we build our homes or if we build our marriages, uh, in a sense, upon our own ideas, philosophies, and thoughts, it's like building a house on shifting sand that when the storms come, the house topples. So it's a big question. What is the biblical vision for marriage. We're going to try to flesh it out. But like I said, we want to look at one simple verse. And there's a lot of verses that you can look at uh, in Scripture in thinking about marriage. When we were asked to do this, you know, I I knew like, okay, you know, for me, I prepare Bible studies with for my life. You know, it's it's what I make my living uh, doing. And so when asked, hey, could you prepare a teaching for a marriage conference? I just knew that the spirit wanted me to invite Christina into the process. And because I prepare Bible studies all the time, I knew that by inviting her into it, it would complicate things a little bit because I have my rhythm and the way that I do things. And we kind of just started out like, okay, let's just try. Let's like talk and pray and we'll like study together. We'll think about this together. And if all else fails and we get to the night before the conference and we just feel like we have a train wreck of a message prepared, then you just teach, I'll just teach Ephesians 5, you know, about marriage. Because I could teach Ephesians 5. I could wake up from 12 hours of sleep, wake up and teach you Ephesians 5 because I've done it so many times in my life. So we could have done that. There's so many different passages you could go to on the word, but there's one simple verse that we want to share with you today, and it comes from Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, and we'll put it on the screen uh, for you this morning. It just says this, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. That's the only verse we want to we we build this whole vision off of this one verse today. It's not good that man should be alone. 
I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, you guys probably know the backdrop of this verse. It's the sixth day of creation. Uh, God, after creating in Genesis 1, everything that he saw was good. But this is the first time that God sees something that in his estimation is not good. Man was alone. This was not good to God. So he determined to solve this problem by making a helper um, fit for him, but actually out of him, you know, from Adam. Something would subtract from him in order for Eve to be made. And of course, the rest is history. So what you see in this verse and what we're trying to derive from this this verse are three major pillars for our married life. Okay. The first one is this, and we'll talk about this. God is the originator. God is the originator. It says, then the Lord God said. Second, a lack of community for man is the problem that marriage is solving. He said, it's not good that man should be alone. And third, the woman would help him, and our assumption, our working assumption today, is that the man was also going to help the woman once she was made, when God said, I will make him a helper fit for him. Each of those statements helps us craft our vision for marriage. So here's our vision statement for marriage. We'll put this on the screen for you as well. A biblical Christian marriage exists as a way to glorify God, form a deep community, and help the other person in that community. It's actually up there, right? Okay, good. Sometimes I don't know if it's working, but it's working. Thank you, Bernard. So a Christian marriage, a biblical Christian marriage, exists as a way to glorify God, form a deep community, and help the other person in that community. So let me explain that for a second, and then we'll talk about it. Okay, first... Our vision for marriage is of a biblical Christian marriage. Part, part of the reason that we say that is because uh, if you just say biblical marriage, some, some people could get the wrong idea of that because I don't know if you've read the Bible before, but there's some really messed up marriages that are in the Bible. So I'd hate for like a polygamist, for instance, to be like, well, I've got a biblical marriage. Okay, yeah, you do. You can find it in the Bible, but God isn't sanctioning it just because it's in Scripture. He's just recording the sins of people. Uh, but also the reason we wanted to say biblical and Christian is because Christianity includes the gospel and the gospel is required to have a healthy marriage because in a healthy marriage, you're going to have things like forgiveness, grace, there's going to be redemption, you know, stuff that you've done that it, God redeems then bad things that have happened to you or that you've committed that God redeems for his glory. There's going to be the process of sanctification where you're growing to become like Jesus. Uh, you're going to need the blood of Jesus in your marriage, so biblical and Christian. But we also wanted to say that it's a way to glorify God, form a deep community, and help others in that community. The reason why we wanted to say it that way, it's not the way, it's a way because these are things that every human being is meant to be and do. Every Christian, every human is meant to glorify God. Every believer, single or married, is meant to live in community with other human beings. And every human being, whether married or unmarried, is meant to help others inside of that community. So you don't have to be married to live these things out, but it's God's intention for every human being to do these things. So we wanted to say a way. So what do we mean by glorifying God? You know, for us, we really believe that this has been the foundation of our marriage, that there's a deep desire 
to glorify God. He's our designer. That's what we see in the verse. He designed Adam. He designed Eve. He's the one who instituted this form of human relationship. He didn't do it. He didn't kickstart or begin marriage merely as a way to um, cause population growth. There would have been other ways to do that. No, it's his way for us to image who he is, his desire for mankind. Paul said in Ephesians 5, verse 31 and 32, that a man will leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. The two become one flesh. This mystery is profound. I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So there's something about marriage that mysteriously shows us who God is. So marriage is meant as an expression of our need for God and his desire for us. Just as the husband and wife are one, so the gospel makes the way for us to be one with Christ, united to God. So our marriages work best when they exist to glorify God. But they also exist to form a deep community. Uh, God has always been in a perfect community within himself. Even before time began, the Father, Son, and Spirit were in community amongst their or within the triunity of God. And so when God made man, what he was seeing was a person who, of course, was called into community with himself, but did not have someone who was also human that he could be in community with. And since God is that way, he wants us to express him by forming that community uh, together. So like I said earlier, you can form community without marriage, but this is in a sense, the deepest level of human level, human-to-human human, uh, community that can, can exist uh, while we're on earth. And then finally, a vision for marriage should help the other person in that community. Eve was meant to help uh, Adam. Adam was surely meant to help Eve. Each of them had their role to play in aiding the other to live their lives to the fullest God-given potential and calling. So we want to talk about those three pillars today. And the way we're going to do it, we'll just put them up on the screen as we go through them. And we're going to have two kind of sub points for each one of those three pillars. So we were kind of talking about all of these, preparing all of these. And Christina brought up this really good point that I wanted her to talk about before we actually get into uh, each one of these pillars, each one of these points. So why don't you talk for a second about communication? Sure. Uh, yeah. So we're going to talk about those pillars and um, there's so much to say about marriage, and we're not going to talk about every part of marriage today. But I was just thinking as we were sort of brainstorming and preparing, like, gosh, communication is key in every single thing that we'll be addressing, every point. How to love God and glorify God and love sanctification and be good friends and all these different things that we're going to talk about Gosh, communication is key. And so even though we're not going to specifically address and equip you today towards good communication, I know in our premarital counseling 20 years ago, we had to go through every verse in the book of Proverbs and I think a few other places in the word, but every verse in the book of Proverbs that addresses communication. So, it, And it was really helpful. So I just encourage you to pursue avenues of learning how to be a good communicator with your spouse, learning how to be a biblical communicator with your spouse, um, but also recognizing that it's really important as we talk through each of these things to know that um, good, healthy, loving, gracious, gentle, um, slow to speak, quick to hear kind of communication is a, like, 
ultra necessary ingredient in each of these things. I also wanted to mention before we get really into it, um, on the back of the chairs, there are phone numbers that you can text in if you have questions. We won't deal with those questions today, but in a couple of weeks, once we're done with the uh, First Peter section on marriage, Christina and I are going to sit down in our church studio and we're going to answer as many questions as we can, and then we'll release those to you. So if you have questions, you know, throughout uh, this session or the other sessions, feel free to text those in, or you can DM the church at their social uh, accounts, and we'll try to get to those questions in a couple of weeks uh, together. So um, one of the first things, you know, I said there, we want to glorify God. So the first thing then that would be kind of a sub point of that is in our marriage, we've decided that it's important for us to, number one, love God. We want to love God. Jesus said that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it to love your neighbor as yourself. So we've wanted to prioritize loving God uh, in our marriage. So what are some of the ways that we have attempted to love God in our marriage? Yeah, so it's important as two separate individuals but committed to each other in marriage it's important that you each prioritize you may have heard it a million times here if you come to calvary that you prioritize your own personal devotional life that's not going to fix everything in a marriage that's not going to create a perfect marriage but it's an optimal situation for a healthy marriage it, if each of you has your own personal devotional life you're each pursuing God in his word knowing him learning about him growing in him you're each pursuing God in prayer individually um, personal prayer growing in your prayer life prioritizing prayer in your life and so then as we talk about that in a marriage um Clearly, we're all going through different seasons in marriages and, and, and hoping for our marriages to last for a really, really long time. And so sometimes we need to help each other um, prioritize a quiet time or a Bible reading time or a prayer time or protecting that time. So, so prioritizing a devotional life is an important part. So I know in different seasons in our lives, like when we had when we were just two married people with no kids, it was pretty easy, and I didn't need a lot of help or support. Well, we in, didn't. We didn't think it was easy. No, yet. not the marriage was we easy. It was really, Devotional life. Yeah, was but we easy. still thought it was a real struggle. We were fighting for that time. <laughs> right, it was only. True. It's only later after you have like three babies all in the yeah. house at the same yeah. time. You're like, oh, that was easy. That was easy. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Um, yeah, so there have been different seasons where I've really needed Nate to come alongside me and like take a baby or take a toddler or take all three just so I could get 15 minutes of quiet time in the word, you know? So, and then there's going to be other seasons, seasons of, I don't know, sickness or health conditions or lots of other things where you're helping, um, support each other in having a devotional life. So for you, what would what would it be like? What, what would happen to you if like a week went by and you realized Nate's not, he's not getting up to read his Bible. He's not getting up to pray. Like I what? would call pastor Jeff. Yes. That's the right <laughs> answer. Uh, I, yeah, I think you would actually, <laughs> I'd start praying. Um, yeah, I, I, I've told Nate a, a hundred times, you know, part of what really gives me, and this is just for me, but part of what gives me a lot of confidence and a lot of a feeling of safety in his leadership in our family is 
Um, not that he can teach the Bible well, I admire that, but it's that I see him every morning in front of his Bible. I watch him going on prayer walks. I know he's trying to hear from the Lord. I know he's confessing sin. I know he has a personal walk with the Lord. That gives me a lot of safety in our marriage. That gives me a lot of, um, yeah, confidence in his leadership. So I would be scared if you weren't. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure there's been, there's been plenty of times I know for me with you and I know you with me where there's something, you know, that we want the other person to understand or something that we feel hurt by, by the other person uh, that, uh, you know, sometimes it just comes down to it and you need to talk about it. You need to flesh that out. You need to communicate about it. But there have also been plenty of times where God himself, God from heaven has shown that to the offender and then goes to the offended and says, hey, you know, it wasn't right that I treated you this way. I was in the word today and God spoke to me or he's really beating me up about this thing that I've been doing to you, you know, or something like that. So right. it's been a huge right. help. But I think another thing that we've done is not just encourage each other in our own personal devotional life and wanting to love God, but we've also prioritized godly activity together. You know, it, as time goes on in the Christian life, there come points where a Christian is tempted not to enter into some of the things that they know that God has asked them to do. So to be part of a congregation, to serve uh, well, to open their homes to others, to be generous, to be hospitable, to make disciples, to uh, get into the word, to be in Bible study, to share their faith. These are things that as believers we know that we want to do, uh, but you can, over time, you kind of get dissuaded from those things or discouraged from those things. Uh, in some marriages, they discourage each other from those things. Uh, but what we've wanted is to have a marriage where we're pursuing God. And so, therefore, one of the things that we're doing is we're encouraging that kind of godly activity uh, in uh, each other's lives. So I know for me, when Christina's praying through, for instance, you know, um, the next season of her life and, and maybe asking God, you know, who in my life would you want me to spend more intentional time with in discipleship or, you know, mentoring or something like that. I'm encouraging that. I know that it's going to take time away from our family. It's going to take time away from me. It's going to take energy for her to do that. There'll be times I have to sacrifice for her to express herself in that way. But I know that it's important for us to have godly activity not just as an intention of our heart, but on our, on our calendar. And so I need to encourage that in her life. So I think we've been able to do that as well. Yeah, I mean, you can see how communication comes into all of this. There's, there's a, an importance of getting down to like, what does this look like in the nitty gritty, right? We have to sit down and talk about our calendars. That's actually a way for us to prioritize these godly things because if – if we're not proactive about making, and you might think it's easy because, you know, Nate's the pastor, so, like, obviously there's going to be church attendance. But think about this in your own lives, you know. Um, there are other things for us that have to do with pressing into godly activity that are different than just church attendance, even though that's important for us. But if we don't sit down and talk about literally our calendar face-to-face -face and, and put in the pillars of these godly activities and talk about the next months and talk about the year to come and what things um, 
are our priority? What are those godly activities that are going to be the first things that go in? If we don't talk about that and we don't prioritize that, then we just get taken over like any one of you by the day-to-day, by the driving your kids around, by the work schedules and everything else. So um, we have to communicate about it. A second thing that we want to do in this first section of glorifying God, because I think we'll probably come back a little bit to this loving God thing, because our final thing is being on mission together. And this is really important to us because we think that God is the one who defines what our end game should be as human beings. And so we'll talk about that at the end. But Another part of loving God is that you have to also love sanctification. You have to love sanctification. And what I mean by that, by sanctification, is just a word meaning growth. We want to be changed. We want to be transformed into the image of Christ. The popular concept right now about marriage amongst people who are considering whether they want to be married or not is that what they're really looking for, if they get married at all in the first place, What they're really looking for is someone with whom they are compatible, who accepts them as they are, who won't really make a lot of changes to who they are. And to that I say, good luck. (laughs) The reality is that we are fallen, broken human beings, so we need change, for one. We need transformation. And because we're fallen and broken and because men and women are so different from each other and your spouse is going to be different from you, uh, it is going to happen that you're, you're not going to find someone who is necess- necessarily compatible in the sense that they just leave you alone. So what we've found is that we've had to have a deep appreciation, desire for sanctification. We've had to want to grow because it just really helps when your wife is talking to you about something, no matter how sweetly she's doing, you know, her confrontation or, you know, pointing out like a flaw in you, no matter how sweet and gentle it is, and Christina's really good at this, no matter how sweet and gentle she is, it's still, you kind of can take it personal, right? It's like, oh, there's something wrong with me. There's a flaw with me. You think that I'm not what I should be in a certain area of life. If you hate sanctification, you just won't go there. But if you crave sanctification, you want to grow, you want to be reformed into the image of Christ and continually reformed into the image of Christ and be brought from glory to glory into the image of Christ like the New Testament teaches, then when those moments occur, I'm not saying that it's always like smooth and I'm not saying that, you know, every time we have a moment where it's like, hey, Nate's not, you're not that great, pastor. Uh, You know, I'm not saying that when those moments come, I just always, a light bulb goes on and I'm like, sweet, an opportunity to grow into the image of Jesus. But I'm just saying that part of the reason that I'll eventually hear is because I do want to grow. I do want to be uh, sanctified. So what are some of the big ways for us that we've seen this kind of play out in the marital realm? Yeah. I mean, just to add on to that, or maybe it's obvious, but there's just a major measure of humility, right? That has to come with that. If if I'm going to love sanctification um, and I'm going to love it in the way that God's going to use Nate to sanctify me and make me more like him and change me, I have to be humble. I have to be humble in my disposition, but ultimately I have to be humble in my own heart. I have to go, 
I know I don't have it all right. I don't have, I know I might see part of it right and I might not have the whole picture. I know I'm a broken individual that needs change. And, and that sounds kind of obvious, but in moment to moment, day to day things, it's not always as obvious to us. And, we, and, and it can be very easy to have sort of a disposition like, I got this. I know this is right. I know I'm not wrong here. Um, but to approach, marriage, life, confrontation, all of that. If I'm in a love sanctification, I have to be humble. I have to be ready to change, know that I need to change, know that I need this person. And what he's saying, um, it's like a gift from God and I'm going to need it. So that's a really big part of it, isn't it? Like having a conviction, believing that in the sovereignty of God, that when he looked at you, he determined I want to help you grow into the image of Christ. And one of the major ways that I want to do that is bring this specific being into your life to help you grow. And uh, the, the, the thoughts, the insight, the wisdom, the convictions, the design, the sensitivities, the weaknesses they have are all there in part to help you become who God has made you to be. And as Christina mentioned earlier, you know, it's clear, you know, she talked about communication. This has been a major part of the sanctification process for us. We're talking. Words are involved in this. So some of the words that are spoken, sometimes they're words of confession, you know, confessing sin to each other. Uh, This is a constant throughout scripture, a real discipline in scripture. Confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. James Four or five tells us, First uh, John 1, 9 tells us to confess our sins because he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Then there's also, I think, exhortations. You know, I love receiving exhortation from Christina. And what I mean by that is, you know, when you're kind of like waffling, is this really, a, you know, this pure desire that I have, this thing that I want to do for the Lord, or this thing that I'm seeing needs a change inside of me. When you get like a supporting word about that and you're encouraged in that direction, it just helps you uh, be driven forward. And then I think uh, supportive words, supporting each other right. in, in sanctification. Yeah. I think another way that um, sanctifi- sanctification has played out in our marriage is honestly by a good example So there is definitely words, and there is definitely sometimes confronting words. Um, But a lot of times, it's been that I um, want to be more like Jesus because I'm watching Nate in a certain area. Maybe it's the way he's um, handling a parenting thing that I'm just failing at. And I watch him, and I'm like, oh, more gentle, more gracious, more loving, whatever. And I'm, I'm running to God to become more mature in that area because I'm watching Nate. Maybe it's a way he's handling a relationship. Maybe it's a way he's anything like a godly example from the other person can be a real form of sanctification um, and has been for me in our marriage. And I think another thing that we've tried to do is uh, because I think we've seen um, married couples who over time talk each other into sin and talk each other into a dulled relationship with the Lord and just kind of, you know, hey, it's fine. We can watch this. We can do that. We can spend our money this way or that way. And they kind of talk each other into desires of the flesh. Uh, We've 
tried to cultivate a sensitive conscience before God together, you know? So like being the kind of couple that says like, look, we can't watch that. We can't listen to that. That's not edifying to us. That's tearing us down. That could be destructive and we don't want to go there and being open to that. And a lot of times, you know, the other spouse in a marriage will kind of object to that kind of talk or be offended by it. But we've felt cultivating a sensitive conscience to sin is important for us. Because, right. I mean, like, I always think of that. There's a scary passage in Genesis uh, chapter 4 where there's the Cain and Abel episode. You know, and Cain is thinking about killing Abel because he's jealous. And God talks to Cain and he's like, hey, sin is at the door. Right. Its desire is for you, yep. but you must rule over it. And I always think about that in our, just our whole life together, but our married life together, it's like, you know, cause we live in a house, there's a literal door there. And I always just imagine like sin is at the door, you know, it's, it's coming in through the cable internet. It's coming in through our phones. It's, it's right there at the door. It wants us. And so we got to rule over it in this place because we don't, we don't want to go there because it could destroy us right. and we don't want that. Uh, and then finally, probably, um, there's a, we're trying to cultivate an environment where both of us are encouraging each other to transform. There's a constant desire to transform. So not like the nagging wife that's like, you know, transform. Um, not like that, uh, uh, but like, um, it's her hey, theme read- for me. It's what she wants all the time. Transform. Read- yeah read this book or I just read this book and oh my gosh, I'm so challenged by it. And Hey, I listened to this podcast. Have you checked this podcast out? Hey, I, you know, there's, there's like a conversa- constant conversation of like what we're feeling like the Lord is doing in us, what we feel like the Lord is trying to change in us, where we might want to grow and, and just sort of com- constantly com- conversing about that and pursuing things and talking to each other about resources that sort of aid us in growing. So, right? Yeah, well said. Yeah. You want to move forward? Yeah. Okay, so the second big pillar that we talked about, you know, so there's God. He tells, um, he, he sees that it's not good. He's the one that speaks, so he's the originator. But what he says, it's not good that man should be alone. So the whole purpose of this original marriage was to solve the problem of lack of human community in Adam's life. So of course, for us as a married couple or married couples, we understand that our full um, experience of Christian community or of community here on earth should not ever come exclusively from our spouse. We're not called to sequester ourselves and never be part of anybody else's life or to share our lives with others. Uh, But the deepest level of human interaction and community and fellowship that can be found is inside the marital uh, relationship. So the the first uh, pillar of this for us of two is that we have fought to be friends together. Okay, so this is a, a really important part of our lives. You know, the Song of Solomon, uh, it, which is the most romantic uh, passage of Scripture that you could find, in the middle of it, this woman is talking about her husband, her lover, the person that she's romantic with and infatuated with and drawn to, and she calls him my lover and my friend, my lover and my friend. 
And we've felt that friendship is a crucial part or pillar of what it means to form a deep uh, community uh, together. So you were talking to me a little bit about kind of the perspective of friendship. So why don't you share that? Yeah, yeah. I think that it's a great gift from God, but I think marriages, even in that first year, let alone the later years, um, maybe it's because of work and stress and money and kids and life and responsibilities and the weight of, of life. Um, we lose friendship with our spouse. We can be checking off the boxes of trying to accomplish things or tag team, um, moving forward in life, but we miss friendship with our spouse. And the reality is something drew you together um, originally, right? And it's, it's definitely physical attraction, but usually it's a lot of that personal personality attraction. And so I think in order to preserve the friendship in a marriage, in order to cultivate friendship in a marriage, this overall perspective has to sort of be fought for because the cares of the, of this life will rob you of it, but you have to fight for appreciating who the person is like originally all their little, uh, personality quirks, their temperament, their, who they are, how they work. Most of it, you were really attracted to, you really appreciated, you really liked that about them. And then, like I said, as time goes on or responsibility gets loaded up, you, those are the very things that often become things that are exasperating or aggravating, or you just sort of like forget about And so I think we have to fight for a perspective of really just appreciating, like, this is who that person is. I need that kind of personality in my life, but I also just like it. And to be honest, there I remember specifically one season where I was overwhelmed by a baby and a a really hard baby and a toddler. And Nate was overwhelmed with a lot of change at work. And, And marriage was, we were in a tough season of our marriage at that point. And um, he was growing and changing into something really good, but something different than sort of like he had originally been in marriage. And, and I was growing and changing and being so challenged by our circumstances. And there came points where I, I just had to like, in my quiet times, like write down a list of things that I liked about Nate. Like, what do I what do I like about him? Cause it just felt like every day was like, I just don't want to fight. I just don't want to bicker. I just want to survive another day. I just don't want to have another conflict. So I, I literally would just like write down, like, I mean, and it could have been like the silliest things, but just like trying to keep a little list like, Oh yeah, I like this about it. Oh yeah. What about this? I like this about it. Uh, so th- I'm sure there's a million ways, but that was just one example for me, but of fighting for a a perspective that like, I actually, I'm not just obligated to this person, but I like them. So remembering that. I remember that season. I did not even know it was going bad (laughs) the whole time we were in that season. I thought things were going great. I was super clueless. (laughs) It, it, It really was terrible looking back on it. She's like, you know, like she said, you know, a little toddler and a really our second baby was really tough for a couple of years. She just like cried from the moment she was born till the time she turned two. And, uh, and I, right at the same time, I became the executive pastor of the church. And there's this part of my personality that's like pretty programmed and organized. And I like, it was like, I tapped into that at that stage of my life to this like ultra 
degree. Somebody turned me on to David Allen and the getting things done like thing. And so I'm like getting things done. And at the same time, I was 30 pounds overweight and somebody challenged me to this like weight loss contest. And I was just shedding weight like crazy as she's got a newborn baby and just feeling terrible about herself. And I'm just like every day, like lost two pounds, feeling good, you know, she was just clueless. I didn't man. like I him. Clueless, I did yeah. not like him. <laughs> so I'm really thankful you had those lists. <laughs> but uh, she was talking to me about this the other day and just saying like, well, you know what, we're not really, what we mean by being friends together isn't necessarily just like, oh, we go kayaking together and we do stuff together, whatever. Like, we're just not, I mean, that's fine. That's you great. can go kayaking Please together. Like, that's fine. But we, we mean more than that. Like the reality that you get to live with your best friend, you know, when you're doing dishes together or just sitting around the table together or just catching up on life together. It's right. just a, you have to kind of, shift that in your mind like right. this is my friend so it's a friend. it's a perspective yep. in a sense and then of course like it takes time so um there's lots of ways to spend time with your spouse but it really there's there's nothing that can replace that time you can have time together and that time can get filled with talking about responsibilities talking about your kids talking about your budget or whatever else or you can have time together where you're actually enjoying each other as friends. So, But you do have to make that time. We've done a lot of different things to make time for friendship. And, and in a lot of different seasons, like I keep saying, that's looked different. But um, making spending time together a priority has been key. And then, like, enjoying that time once it happens. Right. You know, I think, like, we've got some buddies that, you know, they love when it's, like, a long road trip because they love to uh, make, like, lists and plan stuff out. And there's part of me that's, like, kind of likes that. But then there's part of me that's, like, oh, like, I also just want to catch up. Right. And, like, hear how you're doing, talk about funny stuff, listen to a podcast, right. hang out together. But then also with time, you know, I think one of the great decisions that, that we made early on that somebody just told us, like, you're going to have a date night. You're going to have a date night. So when we were, I don't, maybe we even didn't even before have we, kids. Yeah, yeah it was we before we had kids, kids yeah. we started having a date night, which feels real counterintuitive because before you have kids, it's like every night's date night. You can just, whenever you want to, you can go on a date. But for us, I think in ministry, I was yeah. probably doing a lot at that time. It was yeah. like five nights a week we're doing church stuff. So it was like we got to have a date night every week. And we grew to really, I mean, we've always protected that. I think we've missed like five over the course of 20 years or something like that. I mean, it's just like very disciplined. We're going to have that time. And sometimes uh, it's budget. Don't get the wrong idea. Yeah, a lot super of times budget. it's budget. Yeah, yeah. it's not. Go to in and out whatever. Just yeah. get some coffee and hang out. But knowing in the midst of the chaos of life that you got like a time that you get to catch up, be together, enjoy each other has been really important for yeah. us. And and I I can see the like alarm bells like what about kids? What about little kids? What about babysitters? How am I going to afford to find a babysitter? I don't have family here. You know, there's lots of ways that we and other people I know have been creative even with home dates. So if you got to have a home date because childcare is like a it's just not going to work out for you then, or like in COVID season, we did home dates and other seasons, you know, where it's like, no, but we're still fighting to prioritize a couple of hours each week to just be as alone as possible. So yeah, even home dates can work where the kids are in bed and it's like, Hey, okay, 
now we're going to hang out. But And for us, it's been really important because, you know, the Bible says a husband and wife become one flesh. And we've always really worked hard, you know, once we started having kids. We wanted to communicate to them, we love you, you're important to right. us, we're there for you, but you're not one flesh with us. And so there's going to be times where we're prioritizing this and you're out, you know. So on our, like, on our date nights, you know, we'll come home and it's like our kids, now they're older, you know, yeah. they stay up later than we do now. But um, they'll be watching a movie or something and it's just like, hey, we're going in the other room. Good night. You don't need to come in. You don't need to come say good night to us. You don't need to talk yeah. to us. You just need to leave us alone. Who knows what we'll be doing in there? You don't want to come in. So, you know, uh, setting that tone yeah. and just saying, Hey, this yeah. is, this is important for us. And then I think also we've, uh, tried to, in our friendship, do a few other things. You know, we've tried to, um, have our radar on for the moments where as friends or as a couple, we're just too, there's too much passive consumption in life. I think a lot of marriages just kind of their energy gets sapped because they just watch so much TV together. You know, it's just like the time that you could have been talking, relating, right. it's just sometimes yeah. easier to turn on the television and just be like, I don't have to talk about my feelings. I can watch someone else to have their feelings, you know, like, <laughs> I, so yeah. I think, it, especially as a husband, as a guy, you know, there's just times where it's like, how was your day? That just feels like the most loaded question in the world. Like, why are you interrogating me right now? You know, I just had a hard day, you know, or whatever. And so to just take a beat and realize this is important uh, for life uh, and marriage. Yeah. Big time. Want to move on? Yeah. Okay. So the next one, you know, forming a deep community, we also wanted to say beyond just being friends, we want to be lovers. So dun, dun, dun. So we want to be a couple that pursues intimacy. There's a verse. Should I read this verse? It's one of my favorite verses. First Corinthians seven, <laughs> verse three. I, I had to get it from the New Living Translation because the other ones just sound so terrible. It says, the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. I just love the Bible. There it is. It's right there. <laughs> the reason I get it from this version is because all the other versions use the word conjugal and it just uh, it puts the wrong image in my mind. I think prison or something <laughs> with that. So uh, the idea that we want to, you know, that this is really in some ways emblematic of the deepest level of interaction right. and community Connection. that you can possibly right. build. So it's not just to get my desires fulfilled, but it's the building of community together. So yeah. you talked about a tone that you want to have, that we want to have in all of this. Yeah. I think as you talk about intimacy, especially in a setting like this, um, knowing that it's such a loaded topic, right? It's not easy. Like we can laugh about it and it's a, it's and all of that, but it's a very loaded topic. And um, we're all we're each coming from very different backgrounds with lots of different sin and lots of different expectations and lots of sin in the mirror. I mean, it's just a it's a very loaded topic. And so I think when when we talk about it in a scenario like this, it can start to sound like this is your responsibility to do. This is your you know almost like a chore. Like I gotta okay, we gotta schedule the okay, we gotta how and, many times per week? Yeah. yeah. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> And I just want to remind you all that no matter what, no matter what your background, no matter what you're currently experiencing in your marriage, God's intention for sex in marriage is that it's a good gift. So that doesn't mean that it's an easy gift. That doesn't mean that it's not 
Um, doesn't take a lot of communication and work, but it is meant to be a gift, something great, something that is a blessing. So I just, I want to remind us all of that. And, and maybe you're in a place where you're like, yeah, that of course. But just as we talk about these things and we talk about how to do them well, I, it's a gift. It's a really good thing. And God's intention is for it to bless your marriage. Yeah. And joking aside, you know, when Paul did lay out his vision, for a husband and wife sexual relationship together, it's very clear that he had a vision of it being a microcosm of what marriage is supposed to be about in the first place. So it's not a place, a time, or a space where one person is trying to get from someone else. It's a place, time, and space where someone is sacrificing, communicating, laying down their lives, serving someone else, which is supposed to be what's happening throughout the entirety of the marriage. So the marriage bed, in a sense, is yeah. supposed to be a microcosm of the whole the whole marriage, a place that is safe, a place where uh, communication can happen, a place where when there's mistakes or embarrassing things happen, you can like communicate about that and talk about it. And this has been really important for us that it's that it's a subject that is not off limits uh, in our lives, but that we're communicating about it. Uh, constantly. And I'll just be honest, like this is not really something that like I'm excited to talk about uh, with her, you know, and it's like, so how do you feel like it's going right now? It's like, oh gosh, you know, I don't really <laughs> want to talk about this. This feels, I don't know what it is. It's like, we've been getting naked together for nearly 20 years yeah. and still is just like, ah, oh, this feels weird. I don't know if those are like remnants of the fall or whatever, but the enemy, he's right there in that moment. And he wants to keep you from communicating. It could be a hurt that is there. It could be something embarrassing that's there. Uh, but we found it's really important to be communicating. And so we want to talk about expectations that we have, uh, desires that we have. Um, of course, sin, like I said earlier, is huge in this area. So it could be sins that you've committed in the past or that you're currently struggling with that you need to be talking about so you can get it into the light and deal with it. But we found that talking regularly is really important. Yeah. And then then doing it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. So making time for it and making room for it and making it a priority, whatever that looks like for your marriage in at your age or your stage or your health or your situation. Um, but so making it a priority and, and sometimes making it a priority, like that can be a conflicting thing. Cause one person in the marriage is like, uh, it's priority. And somebody else in the marriage is like, I don't know, just not as tuned into it or it's not as important. So once again, we're talking about communication because that, t that needs a lot of talking about and a lot of, um, love and, grace and communication. So, but, but actually making time for it and maybe even scheduling it in busier seasons, maybe even planning for it. Um, those are, those are some ways to kind of prioritize it so that it actually happens because I think we all have these, you know, we all come into marriage with things that we've seen. And, and I, I don't mean like gross things, but like, you know, where it's like, Sex comes from these ultra-romantic, 
really built up moments and like the inspiration. And we think that's going to happen all the time. And that is just not a part like marriage. You're you're doing life together, right? You're just like grinding day to day. So that's not always going to happen. Um, that's probably more the exception. And those kinds of times will happen if you prioritize them and create them and cultivate them, but they're not going to just like happen if you're sitting on the couch with a bag of popcorn. So I'm just saying like, you gotta, you gotta make it a priority and cultivate, um, opportunities for it. Right. Yeah. Just the bag of popcorn. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you make a bag of popcorn look good. You know, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, and then uh, protecting this, you know, like she said, with uh, time, like I said, uh, from sin, and then I think also there's uh, an element of just um, from others, you know, from right. outside influences, uh, either sinful influences, but this is a very intimate, you know, subject and reality. So, you know, I've, especially younger marriages, I don't know what it is. A lot of times they'll bring like family members into this part of their lives and they really should they're talking about it they're talking about yeah Yeah. thank you for that clarification (laughs) and then i think just an overarching tone of a lot of grace because you know you go through all these different seasons of life you know you're not who you're you are in your 20s when you're in your 30s and 40s and 50s and beyond. And so lots of communication, you know, it's like I always joke around, you know, there's those little books for, you know, kids when they're like pre-pubescent. I think it's like the title is like My Changing Body, you know. And I always joke around like I'll just kind of like stuff happens, you know, to me that I'm like My Changing Body, you know, (laughs) just like we're just human beings and you need a lot of grace for each other as the years tick by. All right, and then uh, the final thing we want to talk about was helping the other person, helping the other person. And for this, we want to talk about these two pillars uh, together. This is, you know, Adam uh, was alone. God said it's not good that he be alone. I'm going to make a helper fit for him. So a helper fit for him. And like we said earlier, our assumption is that God wanted Eve, or excuse me, Adam, to help Eve as well. So it was a reciprocal help that they were to give to each other. So that's kind of the vision that we've had in our marriage. And so the two things for this one is that we've wanted to embrace our role. So embrace your role, number five. And then number six, we've wanted to be on mission uh, together. So what, what we want is we want for in our marriage to have a vision of where we want to go, because that's the mission that uh, we think that God has uh, given to us. So we want to ask questions like, where do we want to go? Where are we going? What part does each one of us have to play to get to that destination? And what does the end game uh, look like for us? So obviously, you know, we all have careers and things like that. So we have goals, you know, in that kind of facet or sphere of our lives. Uh, But we're talking about something separate from that. You know, our vision (laughs) to be discipling when we're old. We want to be mentoring people when we're old. We want to have a killer relationship with our kids and potentially grandkids when we're old, that we're a source of life for them. I'm sure plenty of you in this room have experienced what it's like to have parents needing you. We don't want our kids to need us. I mean, at some point we're going to, yeah, at some point, (laughs) you know, put the tube in, you know, kind of thing. But for the most part, we don't want them to have to, you know, Oh, mom, dad, you, you, you need us so much. We want to be a resource 
giving them life for as long as we possibly can. We want to have great friendships. We want to enjoy each other. We want to be financially, you know, independent and not be, you know, needing our kids, all that kind of stuff. And so we've kind of developed this vision for where we want life to go. And so that helps inform our decisions today and the the mission that God has given to us uh, today. Yeah. So... <laughs> I just thought maybe you'd I don't have anything to add pick up yeah. on what I was saying. I know, I'm sorry. I think it's really good. Uh, <laughs> we're kind of we're we're shooting to live backwards, right? You're trying to look yeah. at where you're where you're wanting to go and and then make the decisions now that are going to get you to that place. So this is why at the beginning we said for us it's important to start with God. You know, that he's yeah. the creator, he's the one because what we're wanting is to get a vision for what life should look like from him and from his word. So we're looking for biblical values, desires, and drives. So when we look into the word, one of the things we see is that joyful, happy, spirit-filled people are content. Right. And so we don't want to live a life that's filled with discontentment, where we just need more, 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 because we just know that that's not going to get us to where we want to be. We also see that love is really satisfying you know that when there's love that exists relationally like that's so important it's not about stuff accumulation but but relationship accumulation and having quality of relationship Mm -hmm. with other people so that relationships are key so we're seeing all that from the word and trying to build our lives uh, accordingly right and then and then as we talked about those things early on in marriage and as we regularly talk about them um we're talking about what's our role here so What's, what's my part to play in this story? What's Nate's part to play in this story? And we're, we are talking about like husbands leading wives and wives following husbands in each of those things. But we're also talking about something different or maybe more than that. We're talking about like, okay, if the vision is that, um, you know, we, we had a vision for, for, um, homeschooling our kids, which is not the only way to do it, not the only thing. I, I love lots of different ways of families educating their kids, but we had a vision for that. We felt a calling to that. So what was my role? Well, it was pretty obvious <laughs> what my role was. I was going to be the homeschooler, right? But that, that actually took Nate having a role in it too and like talking through regularly, like here's what that looks like for us. Here's what that, what we need. And then the bigger picture of like, well, what's homeschooling all about and where are we trying to go and what are we trying to develop in our kids through homeschooling? That's like a, a smaller thing, not a super big picture thing, but it was, it's, it's a, an example of these bigger goals or these, these mid-sized goals of like, okay, we're going to homeschool our kids all the way through to the end of high school. So what's that going to look like for our family? And what are the parts that we're going to play? And what are we trying to accomplish in homeschooling our kids? Are we trying to shelter them from the world? Are we trying to equip them for these certain things? Like, how do we want to do this? So that's, that's an example. Yeah, so I think we would encourage you to continually allow the Lord to shape your vision of what the future is going to look like because that will help inform what you're doing today. There was a real famous message that uh, we were reflecting on recently that John Piper gave early in the early 2000s or something like that, and it became known as the seashell 
message because in it he started out with a Reader's Digest article about a retired couple who moved to southern Florida and they spent their time collecting seashells and uh, his whole thing was just is that really what you want your life to be about the yes. day that you stand before the Lord do you want to say to him look at my seashells and for us, our, the answer is no, that's not what we want. We want relationships. We want to have made an impact. We want to be a blessing to others. We want to, you know, disciple. These are the things that we desire to do. They're not necessarily official ministry things, but they are biblically informed. So I'd encourage you guys to be yeah. thinking about how does scripture dictate what the good life looks like and yeah. then kind of let that flesh out for you into what it will be for you and uh, in your life. Yeah. And you can see from talking about this, maybe you, some of you are doing this in your marriages right now, but you can see that this is a real proactive rather than reactive thing. And it takes some effort and it takes some discipline to like actually try and have these conversations and make the decisions that follow with these conversations to live this kind of life. Because if you just go day to day, week to week, year to year, this is not going to happen. Like there's going to be dreams. There's going to be wants. There's going to be who I hope I am at the end of my life and what I hope the Lord has done through my life. There's going to be all of that in my heart, but it is just never going to get fleshed out because we didn't have a conversation about it and we didn't have multiple conversations about it. And we didn't talk about all the next steps that it was going to take to get there. And we didn't talk about what it's going to look like when the kids are two compared to what it's going to look like when the kids are 12. Like you have to have conversations and then take those action steps towards it. So it has to be one of those really proactive, not reactive things, um, to really stay and be on mission. Right. Yeah. And sometimes you have to just reassess, you know, we were, we were talking the other day, our kids are 17, uh, 15, 15 and almost 14, right. but we were talking about it. And we had, when we were younger, we had a vision. We were like, we want to be the house that <laughs> all the kids come over to all the teenagers, all the friends, and they're watching movies. And we just have like food for them. And we buy them candy and popcorn or, you know, whatever. Like we want to be that house that like the kids just gravitate to. And our kids friends do like coming over to our house, but we were just laughing because we we're like, well, that really didn't happen. We're not that house. We're not. And we're like, why aren't we that house? <laughs> so we were talking about it. And I'm like, well, like we're too, we're, we're way too planned out. Like we're not spontaneous people. So that are just like, yeah, have we 20 kids come so over bad. tonight. I like know. that's not us. And then we have a budget. So I'd just be like, Hey, where's all the money going to come yeah. from for all these M&Ms we're buying for the kids tonight? Yeah. You know? So there's that, there's just a lot of I factors know. where we're like, okay, that was like, we wanted that to be our mission, but that, that's not the kind of people we are. But I think we got the bigger picture. Done we still want to practice hospitality. We still want to be welcoming exactly. and inviting. It's just going to look a little different than what we first we expected. We just need a little planning we to be able planning. to pull it off. <laughs> I do too. I had to admit it. I thought I was not as much like that. And then I realized I am. Yep. So we want to know our role and be on mission. I, I still remember when we were um, going through our premarital counseling, um, actually here in the church, Steve Brazelton, if some of you guys know Pastor Steve, he was our premarital pastor. And um, it, was, it was great. They did this whole thing where we had to take this like exam where we were in separate rooms, like the Scantron, the little fill out the bubbles thing. 
And it was like a, they sent it away to some company, which would then tell the counselor kind of some early warning. It was like an early warning detection system, like <laughs> these people. And I remember he, when he sat down with us, he was like looking at our little results. And he's like, well, you know, like lots of couples, they're really like, high in the sky like they just kind of don't have a clue about like what marriage is going to be like how hard it is he's like you guys are like you scored like off the charts realist <laughs> he's like you guys do know this will be fun too right because <laughs> we were just like so ready like it's going to be hell on earth <laughs> it's true both of us yeah and so but one of the things we had to do is we had to they gave us this huge list of just Things. Some of them were like really big responsibilities, small responsibilities, but just stuff you got to do to kind of make life function together. You know, like who's going to balance the checkbook, who's going to wash, who's going to, I mean, we both wash the dishes, but you know, things like that, household chores and stuff. And it was just so fun to just sit down and go, oh, okay, we have a role to play here. How are we going to do this? And you just start talking about it. And we've been talking about it uh, ever since. Yep. So earlier we talked about uh, communication, you know, the importance of it. And hopefully you guys have seen, you know, through thinking about these six pillars or six, um, you know, foundational elements that we're trying to live out in our lives. Hopefully you guys can see how important, you know, talking about these things is constantly, you know, in your married life, being open with each other and um, getting God's definition of them. Yeah. So we love you guys. We're, yeah. you know, praying for all of you as married couples in this church. You know, I, I, Christina was asking me today, you know, how are you feeling about today? And I just said, you know, for us, this is not like sharing at, you know, some random church's marriage conference, you know, which um, I don't think we've done yet, but will probably no. happen as the years unfold. But I speak at a lot of men's conferences, you know, and it's like, you know, you're just talking to people that you don't know that you don't have that kind of responsibility for. But for all of you, kind of the way I was feeling today was, you know, your marriages are important. They're important to God. They're, of course, important to you. But they're important to us as well. Even yeah. if we don't know you personally all that well, we do feel a sense of responsibility. So we're praying for you that yeah. God would be blessing you and helping you and giving you the resources that you need to just continue to grow from glory to glory by the spirit of the Lord in your marriage yeah. relationship. Yeah. Just encourage you guys to see, um, sometimes in hearing teachings, it's like, gosh, we're the, our marriage is not like that. Our marriage is not like that. That's never going to happen in our marriage. And there's so much possibility and hope with the Lord and then the long game, right? Like this is not like go home and now you're friends. Go home and now it's easy to talk to each other. Go home and now you know you need to like talk about your future so like it's going to be easy. This is a long game thing. And, um, but the change is possible in marriage. Growth is possible in marriage. Redemption is possible in marriage. Going from something really unhealthy to something more healthy is all super, super possible with the Lord and just like both of you putting in some effort and sometimes getting outside help, sometimes getting counsel or books or, or good friends or your life group speaking into things, but that like, maturing and growing and getting better at all these things. We're trying to get better at these things, but like it actually is possible when both of you are just like trying and really pressing into the Lord. So there's a lot of hope. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. 
And I'm especially thankful to God for all you husbands that are, you know, leading and coming here today and being part of this. And um, tomorrow at church, you know, we'll be looking at 1 Peter 3, verse 7, about husbands dwelling with their wives in an understanding way and showing honor to her uh, as the weaker vessel. So we're going to talk about that uh, tomorrow. So I encourage you guys to make sure that you make time for that, especially if you were here last week. That is just not fair. If your wife had to hear that, you got to hear tomorrow's uh, teaching as well. Would you pray for everybody? Sure. Lord, we really believe that the things that you made are good. And when you said they were good, we believe it. And so we believe that marriage is good and that it's a great gift. And so with all of these possibilities, uh, a partner to be on mission with, a friend to enjoy life with, a lover to be intimate with, a person to come alongside us and help us to know you and love you and glorify you. Lord, with all this potential, we pray that for each and every person in the room, including Nate and I, we would just embrace it more and more. We would hear from you how to um, appreciate and participate in all these different aspects of marriage in a greater way to um, be better friends or or whatever it is, Lord. We pray that you would help us in these things. We pray that you would um, help us to enjoy and appreciate this good gift of marriage and, and all of its facets and that by your spirit we would be changed and grow to be more like you and that our marriages, Lord, would bring you great glory, great honor and that your name would be made more famous in our community just from people seeing our marriages. But Lord, help us to enjoy them, help us to appreciate them and thank you for the gift of marriage. In your name we pray, amen. Amen.